Welcome to the podcast for the North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. Now let us turn to this week's scripture and sermon, and let us begin with a prayer. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything worthy of praise, let us meditate upon these things. Amen. So we continue to explore images of the body for our life of faith today. We've done two weeks of this so far. We began exploring the image of our corporal body, how it's this mix, this indivisible unity of spirit and flesh. Then we talked last week about how we are all joined as members of one body, right? The body of Christ. And this membership, this mutual belonging in the one body shapes how our bodies are meant to relate to each other with honor and with Respect. Today I want to introduce a third image of the body. This is as the earth as God's body. The earth is God's body. Now, I need to say up front, nowhere in the Bible does it say exactly those words. So some of you are going to think that I'm sort of walking off into some liberal woo-woo world, like making stuff up to serve my eco-agenda. So I appreciate your skepticism if you're a little, a little skeptical this morning. But I'm not by far the first person to introduce this image of the earth as God's body. Paul Tillich, one of the very famous theologians in the middle of the 20th century, talked about God as the ground of our being. Tillich said, our God is not apart from us, but is the very core and ground of all that is. The late great feminist theologian, Sally McFaig, went a step further, and she declared, in fact, that God's body is the earth. This was a new metaphor for God, and she admitted it was a new metaphor. But Sally McFaig was a student of all the metaphors that we have used in Christianity to talk about God. And she talked about how a lot of the metaphors, the militant king or the distant creator, these metaphors simply don't work anymore. McFaig said it's our job as theologians in the present day to, to come up with metaphors that serve our needs in our present moment. The earth as the body of God is such a metaphor. So we're going to do some more theological work today. We're going to begin by hearing another scripture. Again, we're going to turn to the Apostle Paul of all people. Right, we're going a little bit earlier in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to talk a little bit about this text. You're going to hear Paul uh, talking about the practice of communion. And you're going to hear Paul, uh, how should we say this? Paul is not happy with the Corinthian community for the ways that they are sharing the body of Christ. Good morning. 
from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 29. Now, I do not praise you as I give the following instruction, because when you meet together, it does more harm than good. First of all, when you meet together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. When you get together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Each of you goes ahead and eats a private meal. One person goes hungry while another is drunk. Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you look down on God's churches and humiliate those who have nothing? What can I say to you? Will I praise you? No, I do not praise you in this. I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed on to you. On the night on which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. This is why those who eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord inappropriately will be guilty of the Lord's body and blood. Each individual should test himself or herself and eat from the bread and drink from the cup in this way. Those who eat and drink without correctly understanding the body are eating and drinking their own judgment. Well now, what did you hear? Paul's a little spicy, huh? Why? He's angry because the Corinthians are sharing the Lord's Supper. And in the way that they're sharing the supper, they're replicating the exact same divisions of wealth and power that exist in their community. Each of you eats a private meal, Paul says. One goes hungry while the other is drunk. 
Paul says that when you eat the meal and preserve these divisions, you bring judgment on yourself. The whole point of this meal, he's trying to tell them, is that it's communion. It's communion with God and with each other. It's community happening in real time. It's an enactment of our life together in and through the self-giving life of Christ. This body, he says, this body is given to us to feed everyone at one table. Okay, so we know our tradition has always said that God has a body. And that body is Jesus. That body is Jesus. You know about this body. You know what that body does. The body of Jesus loves us and shows us who God is. That body welcomes us in, invites us to come. Jesus' body heals us with its touch. We also know that Jesus' body is broken. It bears the weight of our sin and of evil. But that broken body isn't destroyed or defeated. That body is resurrected. And when it's resurrected, that body has an even greater capacity than before to nourish our life. Right? So we know God's body is Jesus. What else do we know is God's body? Well, we know that when Jesus is getting ready to leave the disciples... He gathers them up together. They sit down or recline around a table. And Jesus says, here is another body that is for you. From now on, he says, I will be in the bread and in the cup. All the things, Jesus says, that my body does show you God, unite you, forgive you, heal you. All that now happens through this new body, through this meal that you will share together in community. The power to give life that is in Jesus' body is also in the wheat and the grapes. It's a life-giving body made from the stuff of the earth. That's what a sacrament is. Something common that gets infused with God's presence and God's power. In communion, we take the body of God into our own body. And our own body is joined to the one body of God, to the beloved community of God, sharing the body. We are part of God's new creation. Are you with me so far? We're doing a little hard theological work this morning. Tim, do you have the picture of the... Yeah, so I want to show you two images. First, this image. This is a picture of a river delta in Russia seen from space. Tim, will you show this next image, the image of the soil? This is a microscopic close-up of a bit of the earth. The movement of God is always toward embodiment. Let me say that again. The movement of God 
is always toward embodiment. When God saves us, we are not taken up and out of our bodies. Salvation makes us at home in our bodies, allows us to be at home with other bodies, allows us to be at home with the creation. God does not pluck us out of these bodies to deliver us to a disembodied heaven. That would be admitting that the creation was a waste of time or that it was somehow irredeemable. Creation itself is a manifestation of God's being. God makes the earth, right? And God suffuses the creation with the processes and the energies that bring forth life. In and through the body of the creation, God connects everything. God animates all things. God brings us together in an intricate wholeness. Within this wholeness, within this wholeness in creation is where we belong. Read Revelation 21 again. It says that the future that God is bringing to bear, the heaven that God is bringing forth, sounds like this. I saw a new creation, the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among you. God will dwell with you. You will be God's people and God will be with you. I'll say it again, and I hope you hear it. The direction of God is toward embodiment. God saves us in and through our communion with the renewed creation. We are a communion of subjects, so says the theologian Thomas Berry. We are created, he says, for a primordial intimacy with the entire natural world. Sally McFaig says the earth is the body of God. It is the visible reality of the invisible God. It is God's life and love given for us. All right, the hard theological work is done. How do you feel? I think we cannot afford to see our earth as anything other than the body of God, anything other than a holy sacrament of communion. Unless you and I perceive the holiness that is in the earth itself, it will always remain an object that we use for our own satisfaction until there is nothing left of it for us to use. We have not recognized the earth as the body of God like we did with the body of Jesus. We crucify the earth. You might even say we do it 
even today as we sit here quietly in worship. We are all responsible. It is our collective appetite for comfort and for convenience and for control that crucifies God's body. Theologian Norman Wurzba has written about how we got to the place where we find ourselves today. It didn't happen certainly all at once. It happened over time. For generations, our ancestors have been moving from the country into the city to man-made geographies and landscapes, to places where the earth and its creatures no longer command recognition or respect. At the same time, Wurzba says, our imaginations, these gifts of God, have been taken captive not by the rhythms of the weather, by the soil or by the plants or the creatures, but by the market and the media that focus on our individual desires. All that was happening at the same time that we were acquiring almost godlike powers, powers to alter the world's land, its oceans, and its atmosphere. We have the power of God, but God gives God's self in love to the creation to nourish life. We have taken from the creation. We have stripped the body. We have beaten it and condemned it to die. So I want you to hear the urgency in Paul's voice. He says, those who eat and drink without correctly understanding the body are eating and drinking their own judgment. Those are hard words to hear. But Paul is saying there is a right way to share the body. God's body is given for communion, not for indulgence. Tim, can you show the next slide? So I want to ask what you do in your life to enact communion with God's body. I like to walk barefoot. I walk barefoot around the neighborhood. I take the kids to the bus stop barefoot. It's just a way to feel the earth beneath my feet and to let my feet feel the earth. It feels like an act of praise. Some of you dig in the earth with your hands. You compost your scraps in the garden and you grow flowers and food as a way of enacting communion. Some of you make a point to spend your time in places where a cathedral of trees arches over your heads. Some of you work to preserve those spaces so they will remain that way forever. 
Some of you, I know, traverse the capillaries of our watershed and keep our waters clean. Some of you avoid airplane travel and reduce your food waste to shrink your carbon footprint. In a few weeks, I hope that we'll have a proposal to share with you all that will allow North Decatur Presbyterian Church to invest in a solar array on our fellowship hall that could provide up to 80% of our church's energy needs. I don't know what you do to enact communion with the body, but everything you do matters. But it's not just what you do that matters, and that's what I want you to take away from this morning. Our imaginations matter just as much as our actions. The world is charged with the grandeur of God, says the poet Gerard Manley Hopkins. The glory of God is not just heavenly, Sally McFaig says. The glory of God is earthly. A few years ago, my friend Ashley wanted to make her church reflect on this image of the earth as God's body. Tim, show us this last slide today. So my friend Ashley uh, is not what I would call a subtle person. When she wants to make a point, she's very clear. So she pulled out the communion table. She left a hole in the middle of the worship space. There they spread out a tarp. And they wheeled in several cubic yards of dark, wet, fragrant compost. On top of the compost, they put that flat stone. And there they placed the elements, the cup and the bread, the blood and the body. They sat in a circle around the compost. And Ashley took the bread and the cup, the gifts of God for the people of God. And she said, this is my body that's given for you. And there was communion. And there was communion. Let the people say, amen.